All right. How many enjoying the series so far, Running with the Giants? Learning about some of the giants of faith in the Bible. And uh, hey, I just want to take a second and honor and recognize someone really quick. And his mom is going to be mad she's not here for it. But Alex, would you come up here on the stage with me for just a quick second? Um, hey, this is Alex Austin, everybody. Some of you guys know him. And uh, maybe not that many know you. I thought I'd get a little applause for you there. But... He's uh, the the uh, the '80s called him with the rat tail back. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter what I like. Uh, so <laughs> we're we're friends. We can do that. Um, no, hey, I just wanted to uh, little pump up. We got two things going on tonight that you should try to be a part of. Um, if you have not yet had an opportunity to go through Life Track, which is kind of our process for getting you into the life of our church. Our 201 meets tonight, and this is a good, especially if you play an instrument or sing, that sort of thing, this is a great month to jump into Life Track because we have an audition happening at the end of March. So if you want to be a part of this awesome band up here that plays every week, you have an opportunity to potentially do that. And uh, those were some of the chipmunks there that, that occasionally sing with us. Made a couple movies, you might be familiar with them. And, uh, but you know, Alex has been up here, been a part of this team. And what some of you who are newer to the church may not know is Alex goes all the way back to our original launch team. He was one of the first people that joined up with us and started inviting people. And, and I still remember the first conversation we had in our house where, uh, we were just sharing our heart and, and, um, and some different things about what we'd experienced in church. And Alex came alongside and through that was still kind of struggling to grow up and mature and understand what God was all about, making some questionable decisions at the time, but, uh, but we just coached him through it. And then he went to Australia for a year and interned there at a church and really God got a hold of him there and started writing some worship music. So if you're not at Life Track tonight, tonight at seven, you can come hang out at the Baptist Student Ministries house and hear some of the original music that Alex wrote. And, uh, and then he's going to be hopping on a plane next week, Tuesday. this Tuesday. So in a couple of days, going to Florida to work with a family member who pastors a church down there for a while. And, uh, and then if we're lucky, maybe he circles back this way at some point again in the future. We'll see what God has in store. I did threaten him with physical harm, but it has not worked so far. But, um, so listen, if you don't get a chance to be there tonight, be praying for him as he heads off to Florida and that God will continue to use him. And, and if you can't come tonight and show some love and support, um, he'll be trying to even raise a little bit of money for a, a music project he's working on in the studio. So, but, but Alex has been a part of our church family for a really long time. His entire family comes here. I'm going to share that story with you a little bit closer to Easter time about how that family came to be a part of true life. But, uh, I love him. I think of him like, like one of my own kids, uh, a really big one, um, that I'm not old enough to have, but I really do. That's how I think of Alex. And so I just wanted to get him on stage in front of y'all. Give him some love this morning and uh, hope you have a safe flight down to Florida, man. Take care. All right. Proud of you, dude. And I learned my lesson because I didn't start my timer until after that. All right. So uh, we're going to jump into talking about Abraham this morning. It's going to be really good. Part three of our eight week series called Running with the Giants. This is going to take us right up to Palm Sunday. And listen, the whole series is designed to help encourage you and help you fall in love with God's word and to help us just keep momentum through a season of time that is is really a growth season for our church. I mean, if you look around this morning, we should all be encouraged because uh, there's a good number of people in the room today on a, on a Sunday. I don't know if you all know this. Pastors know this because they dread this Sunday. 
that that uh, Daylight Saving Sunday across the United States of America is the lowest attended Sunday of all Sundays of the year in churches. But look at us here. We, we have enough to have a party this morning. And uh, so that's that's exciting. That's good stuff. And and uh, so, listen, I just want to ask you, do whatever you can to help fill every seat as we get closer to Easter, as we work through this series Let's do everything we can to reach people who need Jesus. Come on, somebody, because there's a lot of people who need Jesus, and, and all of us can be a part of that somehow, and uh, it's going to be really, really good, and, um, and I'm really glad there's a buffer between y'all and me this morning because I, I drank an extra cup of coffee before I came up here, and I got some, I got some serious coffee breath, you know what I'm saying? So y'all can thank God for that row of seats right there, and... Uh, all right, so let's let's look at uh, our theme scripture that's taking us through this entire series. Before we get into Abraham today, it comes from Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one. It says, "Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us." And kind of the idea of this series is that we are in this race called life and and according to that scripture all of these giants of the faith who've gone before us are part of this big crowd somewhere up in heaven and and they're kind of watching us run the race and they're cheering us on and if you've ever been a part of any kind of sporting event and you've been down on the field you know that it, you can hear the crowd the roar of the crowd but it's hard to pick out an individual voice and so kind of the idea was what if some of these heroes of faith what if some of these giants could come down out of the crowd and run a lap with us what would they say? What would they say to encourage us? And, and today it's, it's Abraham. And, you know, there's several directions that we could have gone with the life of Abraham. We, we, could, have, uh, we could have easily made this about uh, intercession and standing in the gap. You know, it was Abraham who stood in the gap for Lot and kept him from destruction in Sodom and Gomorrah. We could have, uh, we could have easily gone a giving direction, a generosity direction, talked about tithing uh, with Abraham because he was the first one to introduce that principle of giving back a tenth in scripture and, and we could have gone that direction and, and I know y'all would have loved that but but uh, uh, but you know really when you think of Abraham the one word that that I think has to come to mind if you've if you've studied scripture at all and if you haven't that's okay because I'm gonna help you with it this morning is that Abraham was a man who understood faith like nobody else in fact the Bible calls him the, a hero of faith that that he uh, because of his faith God counted him as righteous and you know when I think about the walk our Christian walk uh, the Bible draws some comparisons to being a baby a child that's new and just born on and I have a, a one-year-old son at, he's at home today he had a uh, some some cold symptoms lingering and we do a 24-hour rule we wait till the symptoms are gone 24 hours before we let him be around other babies because we don't want other parents to go through the misery we're going through so my wife, she's bummed out. She's at home with him today. She said to tell everybody hi. She wishes she was here. And um, you, can, you can Facebook her or text her or whatever and tell her church is better when she's here. Because it is. It looks better. Um, it's true. But you know, my son, as, as he grows, he's going through these uh, milestones. And we, we kind of track them. We know that, that for him to say a word, that's a milestone. And he's gotten up now. He can wobble through, you know, about 10 or 11 steps. It's, he's actually hilarious. I, I think it's a thing to help him balance. Either that or he thinks he's a bird. Because anytime he's walking, he's got wings. So he's just flapping away. And uh, he might take off. I don't know. 
But you know, there's these milestones and, and the Bible draws a comparison between our Christian walk and being a little baby. And, and so as we serve God, the longer we go, we hit different milestones. And the thing that I think is interesting about the milestones we go through is every single one of them has, has, has one thing in common, and that is the issue of faith. Because to cross every milestone, there's a test. And every test that we, that we pass involves trusting God with a little bit more of our lives. The initial, the initial test is, God, will I just trust you with this issue of eternity and salvation and that you can wipe away my sins and, and I'll invite you into my heart. And, and so we cross that milestone and we come, become a baby Christian. And, and then, I don't know, it can be a little bit different for everyone. Maybe God challenges you to, to change some relationships in your life. But God, if I, if I, if I, walk away from this group of friends and, and, and start to pursue this group of friends a little bit more because I know it's going to be healthier for me. What if I just end up lonely and with nobody and God's saying, trust me, have faith. And so we, maybe we pass that test. And I don't know what's next for you. I know there's a bunch. I know one of the big ones is, is our, our finances and our money. And, and to me, that's one of the, the toughest ones for people to get, get past because God does want us to return. Come on, how many know everything you have is not yours? It's all God's. And all he's asked us to do is return some of it in exchange for the opportunity to bless you. And so, and, but we can come to that, <clears throat> that barrier, that, that milestone. And what concerns me for so many people, and I don't know what milestone it is for you, but and this really isn't even my notes. I just feel like I need to share this with you this morning is that, that some of us have, we've come up to a milestone and, and God has challenged us to get past that milestone. And, and the way we're going to do that is to trust him. And have faith, and just believe that what he said he's going to do, he's going to do. But for whatever reason, maybe we've come up against that milestone and it's just too uncomfortable. It's just, it doesn't make sense in our own minds and we can't figure out how anyone in their right mind would ever do that thing. And so we've actually stopped and we've stunted our growth as followers of Christ. And what I've witnessed through years and years of ministry is that every time someone comes to a place where they stop, and they say, no, I'm, just, I'm not going there. I've trusted you with all of that, God, but this one's too much. It's too big. And the really sad thing about this is, is every time I've seen it, I don't see people just stop and stay here. Because your walk with Christ is perpetual motion. There is no standing still. And so what we'll see is somebody comes to this point, and maybe they were serving in the church, and they were in love with God, and they were worshiping with all their heart, and they were inviting people like crazy. And, and little by little, they start to regress in their maturity. And, and so my concern for some of you today, and nobody specifically, just this is what God has placed in my heart, is that just make sure that you haven't come up to a milestone and said, no, God, can't do that one. I don't have the faith for that. Because... When that happens, you'll start to regress in your maturity. And so then, then all of a sudden, because, because God's not actively working and showing you new things, then, then the things of God stop being as exciting as they used to be. And maybe, maybe church just, you know, I used to be there every Sunday, used to be really fired up about it. Now, just, eh, if I make it, I make it. Really don't care about it. I mean, I don't really not worry about bringing anybody with me. I know there's a, a life team there. I've been serving. I've got great relationships. But, you know, it just, it's just so much work. Got to get out of bed. And, and, so, and we take, and then next thing we know, we're, we're back to being a baby Christian. And the thing is, man, like, when you get back to baby Christian, then, you're, then you start crying because nobody will pay attention to you and feed you a bottle. But the thing is, everybody's going, man, you've been a baby long enough. 
you've been a baby long enough. And 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 so people are trying to pull you this way. And you say, no, I'm just going to I'm going to stay here in my crib. And so what I want to challenge you with today in, in the story of Abraham is some stories from his life. That demonstrate the growing and the maturity of his faith, because I don't want for anybody to be over here stuck being a baby. What I want to what, come on, how many want to go from milestone to milestone to milestone and have everything that God has planned out for you in your life and get to the end and know that you didn't miss out on anything? Come on. Isn't that what you want? All right. If you don't, bad message to be here for. All right. So we're talking about Abraham. And here's if I had to sum up faith and just give you a simplified definition of the word faith. This is what it would be. This is not in your notes, but you might want to write it down. And I would say faith is simply this. The ability to trust when you don't get it. It's the ability to trust God when you just don't. Can I, even now in my life, there's some things I just don't get it. Being honest with you, I, I don't. God, how's that going to work? I don't, I don't get it. But I've, I've come far enough now that I just I trust him anyway. It's the ability to trust when you don't get it. I think if Abraham could say something to us today, and this is the first spot in your notes if you're filling them in, for when you don't understand God's ways, you need to know God always does the right thing. When you don't understand God's ways, God always does the right thing. That's a good place for an amen, somebody. God always does the right thing. He does. He just, he does. So we're going to look at a few of Abraham's stories today and how his faith matured and his faith increased. And I hope that God will do that for you. You know, the world oftentimes accuses us of having blind faith. You ever heard that? They just have, you're, you're blind. No, no, it's really not. It really isn't blind faith. But I'll tell you what it is. It's the fact that I'm, this is really what, what faith is. It's getting to the place where you say, I'm okay with knowing later. It's not that that thing that we're, we'd like to have an answer to shouldn't have an answer. It's just getting to the place where I understand that I might not get the answer in the timing that I would like. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with knowing. Why, why did this have to happen? I, I don't know. We'll find out. And I'm okay with knowing later. In God's timing, we'll find out. And so I want to help you move towards getting to the place where you're okay with what you don't understand. You know, as followers of Christ, all of us should seek. The Bible tells us to, to know his word, to study his word, and to seek understanding. But we're not supposed to bow at the altar of understanding. We're not going to understand everything. We're not going to get everything. We're not going to figure everything out. So we should still pursue understanding but we need to be okay with the fact that there will be some things that we don't get to know right now. And that's faith. And if anyone understood following God when God didn't seem to make sense, I think it was Abraham. I think he would understand those of us today who are maybe in a place where you're thinking, man, I just feel like God really got, he really blew it. God, God you didn't come through. Why? I don't understand. God, you, you didn't do it right here. Maybe for you, some a family member or a friend or someone close, maybe they passed away. They, they died before you thought the timing was right. And you've been struggling with, that's, it's, it's been messing with your faith and your ability to trust God. I think Abraham would understand what that's like. 
I think Abraham would understand God demanding something of you that you don't necessarily want to give. I think he would understand for those of us who don't feel like God showed up when we thought he should. See, Abraham had been told that he would be the father of many nations. That was the promise that God gave to him. That he would have descendants all over the earth. Look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And I just want to pause there for a second. We'll come back to this at the end of the message. I just want you to take note of where Abraham's faith is at this point. By the way, Abram, Abraham, same guy. In the Old Testament, when God changed somebody's heart, he changed their name. And that's why his name changed from Abram to Abraham. So same guy. But I just want you to take note at the level of faith he has at this point. And this is what, where a lot of us are, quite honestly, is God hasn't done what he thought we thought he should do or he hasn't done it in the timing we thought he should do it in. And so what we've done is we've drawn our own. That's what Abram did. He drew, he drew his own conclusion. Well, God's not going to do it. I'm going to have to pass on all of my wealth. I'm going to have to give all of the inheritance to my servant, Eliezer. And look what happens. God shows up in verse 4. And the Lord said to him, no. Come on, aren't you glad sometimes when you're drawing your own conclusion, God's saying no. Aren't you? It's that extra hour. We need that hour back, baby. Come on, aren't you glad sometimes when you're drawing your own conclusion, God is saying no. I'm thankful for that. No, your servant will not be your heir. For you'll have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Of course he couldn't. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted his faith. As righteous, And really, he believed the Lord in that moment. But as we study scripture, we know that Abraham's heart went back and forth on this whole issue of faith. There were multiple times through this process where he was kind of going, uh, I know you said it, God, and I believed you right then, but it ain't happening. Where is it? Where's my son? And, and God, in this moment, he tries to help him see it. He takes him outside and he tells him, hey, look up at the stars, man. And that's how many descendants you're going to have. And I just want to say to you, God will do that sometimes. He'll, he'll try to help you see it. He'll try to give you a little picture of the promise to keep faith alive, to keep hope alive. But we still sometimes we don't get it. And in Abram's case, he learned a, the hard way a little bit because faith helps us keep heart. It helps us keep heart and know that God always does the right thing. And in your notes, four things here. God always does the right thing. Number one, even if it takes a long time. Even if it takes a long time. Some of you are there today. You're waiting. and You feel like, how much longer, God? Even if it takes... I, I, this is one I can, I can kind of share a little bit of, of our testimony. I don't want to get into too many details. But, you know, my wife and I, when we got married, we knew right away we wanted a family. We wanted to be parents. We wanted to have kids. And for us, it just didn't happen that way. It didn't work that way. There was a lot of process and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of doctor's visits and and almost five years after we started trying to have kids, we finally got our first miracle, Sarah, who we're so thankful for. She's back there with the 
kids right now, no doubt, telling them all what to do. <laughs> and, and then again, it took another, it was another five years before our second miracle, Benjamin showed up. And so I know what that's like to, God, why are we waiting? We want to do this now. We want to, we want to now. But God always does the right thing, even if it takes a long time. By the way, there will be no more miracles. We're done. You know what I'm saying? We're done. All right. Here's what I know. At some point, you're going to go through something where it feels like God is taking too long. Maybe you're there today. If you haven't been there yet, I just, I'm not trying to discourage you. <laughs> Trust me, this is a word of encouragement when it's all over, but I'm just telling you that you will go through something where it feels like God is taking too long. Remember Lazarus? Jesus shows up. What do they all say to Lazarus? It's too late. He's dead. He's dead. Can I just tell you something? Whatever in your life looks dead, God might allow it to get there just so he can get the glory when he brings it back to life. <laughs> Coffee's kicking in. It's starting to, starting to happen. His way, this, this his way. His ways are better than ours. They're higher than ours. Look at Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Now Sarai... Abram's wife had not been able to bear children for him. She had, an, she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. What? Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed. And Sir, with Sarai's proposal. And we know that that turned into disaster. Once again, so he, he, he believed God, but then here they are coming up with their own solution to the problem again because it was taking longer than they thought it should. It's kind of like the guy, I, I think I've shared this story with you before. There was a guy that was having a conversation with God and he says, hey, hey God, is it, is it true that to you a million years is like a second? God said, yeah, it's true. He said, oh, that's, that's cool. Is it also true, God, that a that million dollars is like a penny to you? And God said, yeah, it's true. The guy said, hey, hey, God, can I get a penny? God says, sure, hang on a second. <laughs> Some of you get that at lunch. You'd be like, oh, yeah. Sorry, just, I just want to lighten the mood a little bit there. <laughs> There, now it's happening for some people. It's like the, a wave of revelation coming across the crowd. Oh, I get it. All right. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. Come on, somebody needs to hear this this morning. He's not really being slow as some people think. He's just patient. And here's the thing about God, that patience he has, he, he wants to build it into his kids. He wants to build it into you too. So maybe that thing you're waiting for, God is just trying to build a little patience in you. It's one of the, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. He's not slow. He's patient. He wants us to be patient as well. Here's the next one. God always does the right thing, even if it seems absurd. Even if it seems absurd. Don't believe me. Look what God did with Abraham and Sarah. 
Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah is 89 when God finally decides to give them a baby. That's not supposed to happen. Like that, come on, if, if, you, if you went to grandma's house for lunch today and she said, I'm pregnant. It's just not supposed to work that way. It's not supposed to happen. In fact, the Bible says they both laughed about it. Like, not like a, ha, ah, that's funny. Like, a, you're crazy, God. You're, you, he's, that, he's lost it. God lost it. Look at Genesis 18.10. I'll return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. And this is just a warning for you. Whatever you're silently to yourself, God still hears that. And said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return about this time next year and Sarah will have, look, you see the forcefulness of God's language here. And Sarah will have a son. And then she got afraid. And she denied it. She denied laughing. Saying, I didn't, I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh, God. And look, but the Lord said, no, you did laugh. I mean, talk about an awkward conversation. You're 89. You're going to have a baby. Don't laugh about it. Not funny. But I love the strength of God's language there. And here's, here's what some of us need to hang on to today. At some point in life, God has said to you, I will. I will fill in the blank, whatever the promises he gave you. And he didn't attach a timeline to it. He certainly didn't attach your timeline or my timeline to it, but he said, I will. And when God says, I will, he never forgets the promise. He never misses the promise. He said, and what I said will happen. Check out Romans 4, 19. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. You know, that is the miracle of them having a baby, if you know what I'm saying. You just figure it out. There were some... There were some pharmaceuticals that hadn't been invented yet, if you know what I'm saying. The, the, seriously, the, the, all of us, we think that the miracle is what happened to Sarah. But Abraham played a part in this too. And so something had to happen there. God, God worked in both of their bodies. I know it's funny. It's okay to laugh at that, by the way. Why do we all get so like, ew, in church? Like, Y'all know where babies come from, right? When a mommy and a daddy love each other, I'm not, you talk to your parents if you haven't figured it out yet. But there's a miracle that happened on both sides of this thing. He figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And that's my prayer for you today, that you would get fully convinced. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him 
as righteous. Here's the third one. God always does the right thing, even if it doesn't seem right. And the first two are a little different. One of God, this is taking too long. The other one, God, that's, that's just weird. That doesn't make any sense. This one is different. This is, God, you're wrong. God, you are wrong. I, I can't understand why you would do this, why you would allow this to happen, why you would ask this of me. God, this is wrong. And actually, Abraham had this conversation with God, and he's talking about his nephew Lot. Look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 23. Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? So what happened? Lot was living in a town called Sodom. That's where we get the word sodomy today, because that's what was happening there. He was living in a city called Sodom. There were Sodom and Gomorrah. Both had become very evil places. And God said, I can't do anything with them. I'm going to wipe out both cities. And he told Abraham about it. And Abraham said, are you going to sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? God, aren't you going to do what's right? And then he gets into this negotiation with God. Okay, God, if there was a handful of people in the town that were righteous, would you still wipe it out? God says, no. And eventually Abraham has to whittle it all the way down to the number that he knows is actually there. It's one. And God gives him the opportunity to go rescue his family before he wipes out the city. But that, that conversation happens. Some of us are there. We're in this, this place where, God, how, how could this happen? And I, I just want to say this to you. Questioning God is okay. As long as you come to the right conclusion, like Abraham did. Abraham came to the right conclusion, and that was ultimately to trust that God always does the right thing. So it's okay to have that conversation with God. God, I don't get it. This doesn't seem right. When I get to the end of this talk, whatever happens, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have faith. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There's a path before each person that seems right. But it ends in death. In other words, God isn't bound to yours and mine's definition of what the right thing to do is. He's God. He gets to decide. And in fact, if the scripture's correct, sometimes what you and I think is right ends in death. So it's better to trust Him. God always does the right thing, even when it seems wrong. And this is the this here's the real test of faith and trust. It's really easy to trust God when you agree with everything he's doing. The test is when you don't agree. Come on somebody. That's the test. Oh yeah, awesome God. Big going to build big church. Awesome. It's going to be great. Oh, you want me to give money to No. No. I don't agree with that. Well, I thought you trusted me. Well, I do. I trust you when it's fun. Like my daughter that one time when I was talking to her about money. I know I've shared the story with you before. She'd gotten a gift from, from some family, like 20 bucks. And I said, don't you want to tithe your $2? We had to talk about tithing. I'm talking about trusting God. She said, no, I want to keep it all. I said, Sarah, don't you trust God with your money? She said, yeah, but I trust him without it too. <laughs> what do you say to that? How do, you, how do you reason that one out? You don't need trust if you agree. Here's the last one. God always does the right thing, even if we don't understand. Even if we don't understand. You know, most of us are familiar with this last story that I want to share of Abraham, where God tests Abraham, Abraham by telling him 
He's finally got a son now. He's given Abraham and Sarah a son named Isaac. One son, and through that son, God will fulfill the promise of his offspring being too numerous to count. And God says to him, hey, hey, Abraham, I want your son. I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. Kill him. Now, just a side note, interesting side note, Mount Moriah, many Bible scholars believe that that's actually the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where today, you, you see on TV that where the Muslims have built that big golden dome, this is, that's probably where this story happened. Probably where it happened. You know what's interesting about this story is, all the other stories of Abraham that we've covered up till now, Abraham has questions for God. His faith is not He's crossing those milestones, right? But by the time we get to this, the one that seems the most absurd, the most crazy, Abraham, give up your son. Kill him. Let him go. And Abraham doesn't question God for a second. Doesn't say a word. Look at Hebrews eleven seventeen. It was by faith. That Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who'd received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Now remember the first story. Abraham's drawing his own conclusion. God's not going to give me a son. I'm going to have to give the inheritance to my servant. I'm going to have to give all my wealth to my servant. God's not going to come through on the promise. Listen, I want you to see how much Abraham's faith grew and matured over time. Because look at the conclusion that Abraham arrives at now in verse 19. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. You know the story. He had the knife in the air with Isaac on the altar. And and God sent an angel, said, stop. There's a ram in the thicket. Get Isaac off the table. Abraham, you passed the test. Passed the test. And what I love about this is we can see Abraham's heart change from the beginning to the end of the story. At the beginning, the natural conclusion was God's not going to come through. At the end, the conclusion he arrives at is God will just bring him back. Come on, how many want to live with that kind of faith where when everything looks dead, you're able to just go, God will just bring it back. He'll bring it back to life because he can. He can. He always does the right thing. That's how he got there. His default assumption changed from doubt to miracle. Come on. I want a default to miracle, everybody. I want my default assumptions to be miracles, not doubt. God can do it. He can do whatever he wants. If he said it, he'll come through. And the older you get, the more perspective you'll have. And you'll look back. Some of us right now, we're frustrated because God didn't answer a prayer the way we thought he should answer a prayer. Can I just tell you, you're going to get further down in life and you're going to look back on all that. And there's actually going to be some of those prayers that God didn't answer. And you're going to go, whew. Come on, like, like some of you, some of you, you, you were praying for God to let you marry somebody when you were younger. And now you went and looked him up on Facebook and you're like, eh. What was I thinking? Sorry, that's mean. But you know it's true. You know it's true. Like, 
Dang, what is, put down the fried chicken, boy. What is wrong with you? The older you get, the more prayers you'll look back on and be glad God didn't answer. It's true, it'll happen. So here's what I want for you. Give up, just, just, just settle it in your heart right now in this moment. Give up the quest of understanding everything. Give it up. Make your quest about knowing Him. You're not going to figure everything out. You're not. You're not. Just make it about knowing Him. Bring it back to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Trust Him. Have faith. Here's what I think Noah would give to us as some final words of encouragement today. His words to us are really about perspective. You know, the difference between us and those giants of faith who are in that cloud of witnesses is they've done it. They finished the race. The perspective is different for them than it is for us. And I think if they could come down and share with us, that's really what they would say is, hey, when you get to the end of the race, it's going to look a lot different than it did while you were running it. It's going to look different. This is what I think Abraham would say to us and that cloud of witnesses would say to us. Listen, I just felt like he said to me, Michael, don't put your hope in the things that you see here. Don't get your hope, don't get your encouragement from the way things play out here on this planet, here on earth. Because when you get to the end of the race, your perspective's going to change. And what felt like it didn't make sense in the moment is suddenly going to become clear. It's like, it's like when we, I don't know what it was like for you. When In my house, when we went from old school television to high def and we popped in like our first Blu-ray. I don't know what it was like for you. Literally in our house, my wife and I, we put in our first Blu-ray. Of course, it was a kid's movie. And we, we went. What? Now I see an old school TV and I'm like, why did we even watch that? Can't even tell what's happening. And I think that's what's going to happen when we get to the end of the race, church. I know, I know it's a silly illustration, but I really think when we get to the end of the race and we get into God's presence, it's going to be like everything that we went through in life suddenly comes into high definition. And we're going to go, oh, oh. And I think Noah's final words, or I'm sorry, Abraham's final words of encouragement to us, maybe Noah's too, I don't know. They can be summed up in Hebrews when it explains Abraham's life with kind of one big thought. I'm going to give it to you in two pieces. And this thought can save your life because this earth, this life, it will disappoint you. You're going, listen to me. The Bible says you will have tribulation. You are going to hurt. It's going to hurt sometimes. But not like the rest of men and women who hurt with no hope. When you hurt, there's still hope. Hope's alive. It's called the blessed hope. That one day we get to spend eternity in the presence of our creator. And that's what I would just say to you as final words of encouragement today. Don't make earth your home. It's not your home. We're just, we're just passing through, guys. We're just passing through. My grandma, I remember in the final years of her life, she would just talk about, I can't wait to go home. 
first, I didn't get it. We sitting there in her living room. You, Granny, you are home. No, 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 no. This ain't home. I can't wait to go home. And I know the, the younger you are, the harder that is to get. But the sooner you figure it out, the healthier your life will be. And we're just passing through this place. This isn't home. Hebrews eleven nine, And even when he reached the land God promised him, we're talking about Abraham here, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Can I just tell you this morning, you need to get into a, I live in a tent mentality. Because this isn't home. Don't make this place your home. Don't invest everything you have in making this the, the happy, joyful experience you want it to be. Because no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you invest in that, I promise you life will disappoint you. You can have the biggest house, the fanciest car, the, the best TV. You can have it all, baby. Your bank account can be stuffed full of money and you can still live an empty life. Because this isn't home. It's not home. Here's the last one. Live with an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. So when I realize this isn't home, it changes my perspective on everything and I start thinking about the decisions I make not with how are they going to affect it right now but how is it going to change eternity you start thinking things like I'm going who can I take with me how do I make heaven bigger and hell smaller an eternal perspective changes everything it'll affect your time it'll affect your money it'll affect your relationships Look at this, Hebrews eleven twelve, And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That's why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he's prepared a city for them. You know, when you read that story at first, you might think, man, that's kind of a bummer that Abraham wasn't alive to see the fulfillment of the promise. He got his son but he never got to see his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. That's kind of a bummer. But here's what I'm saying, you guys. When you live with an eternal perspective, you understand he did see it. He's in the cloud of witnesses. He, he did see the fulfillment of the promise. And if time and space are nothing to God, I think it's possible that as soon as he passed into eternity, he saw the finished work. How cool is that? How cool if when we pass from this life into God's presence, immediately our eyes are open and we see all of the things that our life created and all of the promises and all the blessing for generations after us. Come on, how, how cool would that be? We've got to have an eternal perspective. Let me just say this to you. Out of the mess in your life that disappointment makes, there's hope. There's hope. 
because God is always working on his plan and he always does the right thing. Always does the right thing. Would you close your eyes this morning with me? All across the room, just... You know, there's nothing, there's nothing mystical or weird or no special power in closing your eyes. The only reason I ask you to do that is because I just want you to have a moment to focus on what Jesus might be saying to you. Just you and him there for a moment. Some of us need to be encouraged with the idea that God always does the right thing. For some of us, that means beginning with a relationship with him today because you don't, you don't have one. You haven't invited him into your heart. You haven't invited him into your life. And eternity's not even an option yet. You can't have an eternal perspective because you haven't invited him into your life and begun the relationship that can take you to eternity. And if that's you, I want you to know that can change right now, this morning. Maybe even as I'm talking, you, you just kind of feel like God is tugging at your heart. That's the Holy Spirit working on you. And I just want to ask you to be obedient to that drawing of your heart right now. And if you say, hey, Michael, that's me, man. I, I want to I get right with God. I want to be in relationship with Jesus. And I want to start living my life knowing that eternity is in my future. Would you just hold your hand up real quick? Just real quick, because I'm going to pray with you. I see it. Anyone else? I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. Awesome. Good job. Anyone else? Quickly. All right. In just a second, we're going to say a prayer together. The whole church is going to say this prayer with us. It's just kind of, it's just two things. It reminds us that we need a Savior, and it it's just our way of saying, hey, welcome to the family. We're with you. We're in this together. And after we pray this prayer, this is very important. In the cup holder next to you is a connection card. And I'm going to ask you just to fill out so that we can read it, because sometimes we can't. <laughs> your name, at least give us your name and your email address and check the box that says, I'm committing my life to Christ today. So that we can just send you some instructions on the next steps to take so that you can get off to a good start in your walk with Christ. One of the things you can do is show up at 201 tonight. It's a great place to get your walk with Jesus started, get some healthy habits established in your life. But would you please fill out that card? And in a little bit, our ushers are going to bring, come and pass buckets for, for the offering. And you can just put that card in one of those buckets as it goes by. So let's, let's pray this prayer together. Come on, church, say it with me. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Rescue me from this life, from my sin, from all of my mistakes, past, present, future, I choose to surrender my life to you. You are the Lord of my life from this day on. This life will end and it's okay because heaven will be my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, everybody. Heaven is bigger this morning. Man, I never get tired of that. I just... I almost get choked up every week when I see a hand go up because I just know that eternity is changing in that moment. Let's all stand to our feet this morning and Brian's going to come and, and uh, pray for us as we give in the offering. But before he does, I just want to encourage you. Hey, 
Let's be people of faith. Let's make a decision that from this day on, we trust God, even when it doesn't look right, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems absurd, even when the timing seems off. Come on, we're going to trust God anyway. We're going to be people of faith. We're going to be a church full of faith. Come on, somebody. You agree with me this morning? Let me just pray for you. Father, thank you for each and every life that's represented in this room. God, thank you that you want us to be people of faith. And we choose this morning, God, as a body to be people who trust you even when we don't get it. We don't get it. God, we want to be people of faith like Abraham and and have you count us as righteous as a result. And we thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.